Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is PDA with Stefan Prince, Jake and Anderson, and I'm Michael Dunn. Uh, we got a lot to talk about this week in sports, guys. And um, like this week, obviously, between the last one and now, quite a bit has happened out in sports, but obviously in our all of our lives, too. Like, what's going on with you guys right now? Are you guys doing well? Um, I mean, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. I got a big project that I'm... Uh, um, finishing up and submitting here in the next 24 hours or so from the time that we're recording the podcast. So hoping that all goes well and I don't get an error code and then have to uh, spend $300 to <laughs> resubmit it. So we're not, we're not covering that. <laughs> yeah, I could get into it, but we're, uh, we're just gonna just cross our fingers, uh, throw up a prayer and hope for the best. <laughs> so, but no, honestly, like things are going pretty well, excited for, uh, track to get going here once we get done with Easter break excited to see family here over Easter break and uh, spend some time with them and then uh, get back to it and graduate here in about a month or so so oh yeah big time now <laughs> big time now yeah <laughs> big time adult now oh yeah um but yeah I mean honestly everything's been pretty good with me um this weekend Easter weekend I'm actually taking in a recruitment trip uh down to Nebraska so I'll be down there watching some kids uh, compete <laughs> at a few meets down there. So it'll be pretty fun. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I was told that it's supposed to be about 20 miles per hour wind tomorrow. So, you know, it'll be, be some rough. flying hundred times. <laughs> it's, hey, some light that hey. at your back. Get a couple long jumpers that are going like, hey, I do not envy anything over 400. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna be fun. No, that fun. yeah, that would not be fun. I mean, we had what 30 mile an hour, 40 mile an hour winds at Morris last year. Man. To round I mean, off conference, Morris, Morris has the worst win, toughest weather. I think when every it comes year to just outdoor. There was one time, and this is it's it, it's like a story tale almost. But once upon a time, there was a seventy-five degree day, no wind and oh. clear skies, and it was like an early season meet in Morris. I remember that because it was the wasn't it like the it opening early outdoor early April. Everybody was getting like sunburns and stuff like that because it was seventy-five, and then like. The weather just turned, and it was like fifty at conference time and windy. And I mean, it, it was it was. I do remember because I, I I wasn't able to go to the the meet during the season, but yeah. I was able to go to conference that year, and it was it was actually really cold. It was <laughs> it was, it was cold and windy, <laughs> and everybody was just wearing warm stuff. Yeah, that was that was oh that that was so long ago now. But we've had we've had meets at Morris that have been you know the one day I guess of really great nice weather but then we've had other days where we've like lost our tent yeah that was my freshman year of college <laughs> like I, literally we're just like standing in our tent but it's so windy that it just takes it it takes it and it destroys the tent yeah I was on the other side of the track I saw it kind of going and I'm like well it flew over the fence <laughs> <laughs> there it goes <laughs> well weren't you you were there Dunn wasn't but you were there for um it would have been like your senior year your senior year where it actually wasn't too it, bad it, it, it rained nothing. The the opening part of the meet it rained, but then after that it, it was like seventies yeah, and like there sunny. was a light breeze, but so it wasn't too that bad. That first day was really good. The second day was a little windy. It was a little windy and it, a little warm. Yeah, but like other than that, yeah, that yeah. was a, it was a pretty good weekend there. Yeah, it was the weekend of my second daughter's like birth. Yeah, it, yeah, was. it was. It was pretty pretty <laughs> it was. exciting weekend. It was a big for weekend too. for you. Yeah, it was a big weekend for you too. Yeah, I, I was still learning track daughters. at that point, but hey, I mean, honestly, it wasn't really that big of a weekend. Unfortunately, I came home with no hardware. You got a couple bruises. 
all right. Hurdle race, though, right? I, <laughs> I did have a couple. <laughs> that's <bruises>. right. <laughs> yep, that's okay. Hey, hey, I still got up and placed. Okay, so <laughs> that, that, that was all that mattered. See, I had the inverse race of what you had because my race was everybody else was falling around me, so I was just able to keep moving forward, placing that way. You had to get up and actually finish to place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about 400 hurdles, which is not Jakin's or Stefan's race. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, last week we heard um, during everything a little bit about Jakin Anderson and kind of his sports background and you know how he got into everything. And this week we want to hear a little bit about you, Steph. Like, what? How how'd you get into sports? Like, what's your story, man? Okay, for sure. Um, well, originally I'm around. I grew up from around like the Minneapolis area. Um, moved around a lot as a kid, um, went to a lot of schools, so I've met a lot of people. Um, shout out to what <laughs> schools, Steph, shout out to what schools. Um, no, I can't do that, dude. That's so many schools. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't do that. Um, but Hey, I, hey, shout out to prior Lake. So Steph, Steph out here, like LeBron going to Miami, not one, not two, <laughs> not three, not four. <laughs> the amount of schools you went to, how many was it? It was like nine. Nine. Oh. Yeah. Like in total, like throughout. Okay. Time. Not, not like in you're high talking school. like two in high school. Two yeah. in high school. Yeah. Okay, I've gone. I've gone to a few as well in my day. I'm not gonna lie. I, I have to count though. I'm not gonna. I, <laughs> we're not, in this time, I'm not gonna be able to process it. I've <laughs> only. I've only been to four. I think I've only been to four schools going from grade school all the way up through now. Oh, so wow. yeah, I, I guess. Not, I, I guess through college it was ten. Through I oh was, through college. Okay, so you did hit double 12. digits. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Unfortunate, yeah. but it's okay. It, it, it made me who I am today. <laughs> Pick it all up, man. That's and we're easy. still figuring out if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, a little bit of background myself. Um, I moved to Rochester when I was in like elementary school. Um, so like third and fourth grade. Well, first through fourth grade. Um, and actually, I met some friends there. And, you know, what, what do you do in Minnesota? You play hockey. So a big thing with, with you my played friend. hockey. Hey, I didn't like play hockey, but like I actually. But you like, played hockey. Wow. Hey, listen, <laughs> relax, 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 relax. I didn't know that about no, you. No, look, a lot of my friends played hockey, so obviously, like I go to the you know the park and in, in the winter time and play hockey with them. Um, We're gonna hear from Stefan a lot later on the NHL and, <laughs> and on the Frozen Four because we know how big he is on it. So we'll, we'll get there later. <laughs> get, get, get out of here. Get out of here. Look, look. So. Um, you know, obviously I had to learn how to skate. Third grade is probably when I first started learning how to skate. Um, obviously it was tough. I was a third grader, no motor skills. <laughs> Steph, no motor skills. I can't, be- I, I can't I believe that. Born with motor- I thought you were born with motor skills. The way that you hey. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, hey, I'm not a robot. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, honestly, like I got to take it, you know, a liking into, uh, hockey a little bit just because all my friends were doing it and um honestly it was really fun we would go to like the the rink um the rink that this in rochester probably like once a week and just go skating with a bunch of fr- a bunch of friends and stuff like that um so i did that um played a little bit of basketball growing up um i love basketball obviously as a kid you think you're going to league <laughs> <laughs> facts <laughs> so yes okay. yeah us, did any of us not put when you grow up you're going to be an on a paper put NBA basketball player because uh, I know I did hey, NBA MLB and NFL. NFL yeah yeah, yeah. I had it all like I'm going pro um <laughs> unfortunately look at me now no <laughs> I must be honest we're all gonna laugh at that now yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> but, but no that's that's good man um but yeah no um so 
basketball, loved basketball. Basketball was awesome. Um, I was, you know, all right. I wasn't the greatest player. Um, I put on a lot of work though. Obviously, <laughs> those who know me, <laughs> um, I work hard as much as I can, honestly. Sometimes I'm a little wimp. <laughs> 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 um, but, and then also I played football in middle school. So uh, football was another love that I thought that I was going to go to the league in. Um, obviously, you, that man. didn't happen. But, hey, I had a lot of fun. Um, I played at Richfield. Um, that was back in middle school. So I was like seventh and eighth grade. Shout out to Richfield so Water Park. <laughs> I love that place. I used, I used to love that place. I haven't been there in decades. Is that attached to the school or is yeah, that it, just it, a yeah, random? Yeah. It's, uh, it's Richfield is the city. It's just a water yeah. park that's in Richfield. It's, like, it's okay. I kid Richfield you not, it's, it's down the street. Oh. <laughs> so you got a couple good slides and I was like 12. So Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so honestly, my you know love for actually like watching sports started to come when I uh, entered high school. Um, ninth grade wasn't so big, but obviously when I transferred schools and I transferred to Prior Lake, everyone there was pretty much into sports, um, a lot more than my last school. Um, so obviously at lunch table, you know, you have sports talks. Just how how much now. bigger is Prior Lake than, than Richfield? Like it's over size wise for school, over double the size. Yeah, I was gonna say like that must yeah. have been pretty crazy. Like no, just well, transitioning. I to mean, a little well, bit. Man, was it? that wasn't the hardest transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, can't wait till we get video just so they can just see your reaction. Like, well, wait, well, wait, hold on. Let's just say there's a lot of kids at the school, um, but it, it, it was a hard transition just because of so many kids that was at the school. I kid you not, it was like it, it was like a sardines can. Um, you were rubbing shoulder shoulders with everyone walking through the hallways. Um, the crazy thing about Prior Lake is the way that it's made. It's made in the shape of a sailboat. Um, so basically all the classes are on one side of the school and then on the other side is like the cafeteria, the gym, uh, or, or the gym and now field house that they did just built a few years ago. Crazy. Don't wow. ask me about it. <laughs> they, like they come up with money like that. I have no idea how they do it. Hey, um, city schools, they, man. Hey, hey, it's the suburban, it's the suburban schools. Subi That's what it is. The, the fair. suburban schools. No, they talk they, about I, the track I, too, man. man, 10 lane track. If you haven't seen it, it's at Prior Lake. High school, 10 lane. 10 lane. And it has a huge jumbotron, turf field. It's awesome. Wow. So which do, you, which do you think is better than the UW lacrosse 10 lane track or the Prior Lake 10 hey, lane yeah. track? Hey, look. So I'm going to be biased, and I'm, and I'm going to say Prior Lake. Just it's more impressive it, it, that a high school it, has it. it. I, like, that's, honestly. That's, like, I, that's, that's why I'm saying I'm be biased because of that, right? Sure. You, you don't see 10 lane tracks, really, and then at a high school at that, right? Um, which is just crazy and um, the way that Dan patch is actually made it's kind of like a bowl if you've never seen it seen it before uh, have you been there no not yet okay yeah it's like it's, it's kind of like a bowl um, it's pretty cool um, pretty big stadium obviously it's a big school um, it's crazy I think now they have like caterers for like the the football games no way um, I kid you not I went to a <laughs> when I was in high school um, obviously everyone knows in, in Minnesota that Eden Prairie is just, you know, the top dog in football when it, in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so in high school, uh, we have like prior leg versus Eden Prairie. We go out to Eden Prairie, walk, you know, go watch the games. Right. I get there. They, they have Culver's catering at their game. Culver's. 
I'm sitting there like, how do you guys have Culver's here? Like, we don't even have this. We have freaking uh, Concessions Pizza. <laughs> you guys <laughs> they, have Culver's? They, we catered Our in Domino's. Championships. You, you guys get some Culver's now. Yeah. That, is yeah, that is true. That is true. That is true. Thank you, Culver's. Again, that's, that's college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, that's um, pretty cool. But, but yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm, like, obviously, they're coming up with money somehow. Um, taxpayers. Thank you. <laughs> taxpayers. <laughs> um, we appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate it. Another reason to pay your taxes <laughs> is so Steph's school can get a 10-lane track. Soon they're going to get a 12-lane. Hey, hey, relax on that. It's going to be <laughs> Stefan coming after you, not the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, a, it was a huge school. Um, they actually, I think, uh, going into my senior year, so my junior year of high school, they actually were building onto the school. They were actually adding another wing. That's what we call, like, a... Uh, um, basically like the sails of the school of the, of the boat. Um, we call them wings. Um, and then inside the wings, like each floor, we call them pods because you have to walk into like a doorway that had a whole bunch of classrooms inside of it. Um, how many did you say it was like per class? Like it, it, it probably like, I, like I per mean, grade? uh, Roughly, per grade. Like well, my, so every year was a growing grade. Like the grade just, you know, yeah. more kids coming sure. in as freshmen. So like, I think my my senior year we were around around 600 kids just in my graduating class. Yeah, that's um, pretty wild. But there was the 200. Freshman, the freshman class <laughs> at that time that I left was around 700, like seven seven fifty. So like they they were just coming. Um, the crazy thing about it is that Prior Lake has two middle schools, right? Um, and both middle schools are across the street from each other. <laughs> um, Hidden Oaks and Twin Oaks, right? The the crazy thing about it is that one of those middle schools used to be the old high school. Um, so like, obviously when prior Lake was not as big as it is now, um, one was the high school, one was the middle school. And then that was that, but now you have two middle schools that are in town. They both play each other in basketball and football and all the sports pretty much. Um, and then you have prior, you have prior Lake high school. That's not even in prior Lake. It's actually in Savage, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it's not too far away from like the middle schools and stuff like that. Um, but no, it was, uh. It was different. Um, I did have a class size, one of my classroom sizes. I had about 80 kids, 80 or so kids. It, it was a lecture hall. Um, it was global studies. We had two teachers for that class. We, my, my school had 200 kids total. My graduating class was 46. We had such different experiences you know, that's, that's, in high school. That's <laughs> big for some schools too, though. That like, is, it, that is true. Because, like, I mean, it can stretch. There's, there's small schools that have a dozen 25 kids like it, it, it's crazy like how different high school experiences or just high schools in general are just in, in the same state you could be 20 minutes away from a school that's 25 kids and another you know schools 600 750 kids like it's it's wild how that is yeah you know? it, it, it's crazy obviously you know it depends on where you live yeah um and you know how populated the area is um but yeah, no, it, it was really crazy. Um, cool thing about it though, if you guys know who Tyus and Trey Jones are, they were in my conference, so I got to see them play a few times. Um, I actually raced Trey Jones uh, my junior year of high school in the 400. Um, he was like an eighth grader at the time, and they had him running at you know at a, at a East at the Eastview meet, um, and he, he was in my heat, and I was just like, oh, okay, cool, you know, <laughs> I just got like Tyus Jones, little brother that's projected to be better than him, you know, like. You know, <laughs> in basketball and stuff like that. And he was playing JV, starting JV as eighth grader, right? 
which was crazy. So you just see him playing, you know, and he's so much better than all these other kids. And he's like so small at the time. Um, obviously, the Jones brothers are not, you know, big guards. They're about six one, six two. That's wild. <laughs> um, I kid you not, I went to go watch an Apple Valley game. Um, and Tyus Jones dropped 30 points on Prior Lake with ease. It, it was like the easy, I kid you, it, there was no hype around it. It was just like quiet buckets. <laughs> it, and it was crazy. And like, it was, it, it literally was like no one was playing, de- um, excuse me, defense on him. And I'm just like, dude, what are you guys doing out here right now? <laughs> You're just letting them score. Um, but yeah, I think uh, obviously he came to our school one time. Um, oh, a few times really. But one of these times, uh, Tom Izzo came. Oh, right. nice. Yeah, Tom Izzo was, wow. in, was in the crowd, right, um, watching the game because the obviously it, 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 it's, it's Tyus Jones, obviously, at the time that there was a lot of schools that were trying to get after him. Um, you would see Apple Valley on TV. But you, you must have just hated when Izzo walked in because you're a Michigan guy, not a Michigan State I, guy. I, I, I am. So how does that – how did you not become a Michigan State guy when you met Izzo or, like, when you – Because, hey, like, look, because I go to Prior Lake and we are, you know, rivals against Apple Valley. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's exactly <laughs> it right there. <laughs> um, still, you didn't but, no, but, no, um, going into that, how, how, I, how I fell in love with Michigan – um, sports teams, honestly, when I was in high school, when I, when I transferred to Prior Lake, they loved college sports. It, it was different than what I've ever experienced just because I'm usually, you know, an inner city kid. We don't really talk college sports. If anything, we talk professional sports and stuff like that. Um, but no, going, going out to Prior Lake and then, you know, having to change what I talk about and learning a, like basically a whole new, uh, league, I would say, you know, um, in a sense, um, obviously amateurs, they're not professionals yet. Um, but I knew that I had to pick a team and I had to stick with that team. Um, Michigan was that team. And I was Unless just you're like, in the Jake and Anderson world, you can switch, <laughs> switch hey, teams at will. You know, if you start losing, just, you know, take another we're not, one. We're not, we're not <laughs> bandwagons. We just, you know, we don't like losing, you know. So hey, I understand. I understand. Um, so you it, went with the blue. I, I, I went with the blue. Um, in a cool sense, it was the same colors as Prior Lake. Obviously, the blue was a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, and the yellow was a little bit different as well. But it's it's pretty similar. Um, so, you know, school same school color, so it was pretty sweet. Um, in that same year, obviously, it was my sophomore year. Michigan's basketball team went on a huge run, right? They went to the national championship game. Unfortunately, they lost. Um, I, I I would say you know the refs had a little bit of digging in that one. But, you know, we're not, we're not we we love the refs out hey, there. Hey, we, love, we love all you refs. <laughs> in those championship games, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, football season, we've been trash until, like, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. So. I mean, that's fair. Back-to-back CFPs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, back-to-back CFPs and back-to-back Big Ten titles. Some players and teams through the years, though, to be, like, crazy about. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, that's that that is a school that, like, you can get behind and be like, yeah, they've got – multiple sports with multiple athletes who are yeah they're usually ranked in like football that basketball they're a tournament team yeah right obviously and we haven't even gotten their for frozen four yeah and yeah I that's mean, true they, they got a good hockey team they this year have a good hockey team two big 10 teams right and yeah minnesota and michigan made it so yeah. that's pretty sweet i mean shout but out to the big 10 absolutely speaking of big 10 um msu's head coach hastings going to wisconsin yeah, I mean that's that is pretty wild. That is huge, and especially like MSU looking 
right now and searching and everything. And I think obviously, I mean, Wisconsin's got to be happy with that hire. A hundred percent. That's like the Luke Fickle hire that the football program got like huge slam dunk for that program. The big 10 that much more like intense in another sport. Cause we don't know how, how incredible they are. And, and uh, just across the board, you, you could pick a sport, throw a dart at a board and <laughs> hit a sport guys, that the big Ten's pretty dang strong. <coughs> in. you guys see that, uh, the U of M in Minnesota is actually ranked number one in the country right now for track and field. I did see that. Crazy, That's right? First wild. time in program history. Well, and didn't, That's wasn't crazy. there something with their program that like they weren't doing indoor or something like that? Well, they like, I'm pretty sure they took away the men's team and then they brought it back. Yeah. Like I, I thought I saw something like that where like they, they took away a team or they took away a season or something like that. Like they weren't gonna have the funding for it or whatever, and now it's back now all of a sudden. And yeah, and now they're number one in the country. Well, they they had <laughs> been and like an awesome track and field program. I mean, for years there's multiple athletes that have gone to the uh, trials and and all that. I mean, Hassan Mead in recent memory is probably one of those guys in dis- the distance world for the U of M that crushed it in cross country um, and track and field. And then, um, you know, they, like you said, kind of disbanded their men's program and got back into it now and they're back on top. Yeah, before that, they um, before they disbanded the program, uh, shout out to Richfield again. They had this kid, his name is Opsa Ali. Um, he was a, he was a steeple chase. Ra- yes, sir. <laughs> steeple chase uh, <laughs> racer. Yeah. And um, no, craziest thing. I actually was in the barbershop at this time, but the NCAA championships were on for outdoor. Um, and it was in Oregon. It was in Eugene. Um, and the, it was crazy because at this race, it was just pouring, you know, at this meet. It was just pouring raining. Because it's right? Oregon. Because it, it's Oregon. Um, and <laughs> There's I'm no like, rain in Oregon. <laughs> I'm like watching it. And, you know, and it says like, you know, from the University of Minnesota, absolutely. I'm just like, yo, he went to Richfield. Like I went to school with him. You know, um, for a little bit, and it was pretty crazy. And like he's up there, you know, not projected to win, obviously at all. Um, I think it was like this kid from Utah, forgot his name, but he was projected to win. He only ran the three k once, the whole season, <laughs> and he was out. I think injured the rest of the season. He ran it once, I think at the beginning of the season, and he qualified. That was his qualifying time. Jeez. Um, and then he runs it again at obviously the national championships, and <laughs> so he's out like. 50 meters in front of everyone. <laughs> and obviously, since it's raining, it's a little bit slippery. Um, he's going over one of the steeples, and he just biffs it. <laughs> um, and like I said, he had like a 50-meter lead on everyone. Um, the next person in line was Abzali. So I, I kid you not, he had like two laps to go when he fell. When he fell, And I was just like, that sucks to just fall when you're that close. Like, obviously, there's a lot of laps that go into the 3K, um, into the steeples. So... Yeah, it, it, it was pretty heartbreaking. Um, if I was that kid, I wouldn't know how to react because, like, you had the you had the dub. Yeah, and you fell you fell it's in the steeple. Focus we talk about right all the way through the race because, and especially the steeple, it's something that the moment that you relax, the moment you hesitate, you forget that you're having to your body's having to do things that aren't easy to do. Your body's getting more and more fatigued, so just getting over these hurdles is not easy to do for 3000 meters. Well, and that steeple race too is so physically demanding aside from like the mental capacity of like, you have to just be in tune with where you're at, like steps wise, the foot you're jumping off of making sure that you're one foot in one foot out and stuff. I mean, I, I can remember races like last year, for example, 
trying to push through wind and different things, adding that element to was, that race. Was Dubuque last year or was that two years ago? Dubuque was two years ago where I, I had similar situation <laughs> where I jump off the water barrier, can't see, like, spot the landing because it's just raining, and the track was also, like, I'm not, flooded. like, well, flooded, but, like, it felt like the color from the track was, like, bleeding into the water pit, so I couldn't see where, like, I was landing. Just ate it. And kind of like Superman a little and bit. And Superman like a little bit, just like, like, like belly flop. Out of the water. <laughs> it, it looked nice. And, and National Geographic will pick it up. It, but it, it looked was. nice. It didn't feel <laughs> nice, but oh, it looked nice. Um, but then even um, Easton Foss in the conference championships two years ago ended up falling over a barrier on like the last lap. It happen- it, it happens. Yeah. And, you know, you, you tell athletes this kind of stuff all the time. Like it happens. Everybody's done it. Like whether it's in races in big races in early season races, exhibitions, whatever. But, you know, athletes, Olympic athletes, high school athletes, obviously middle school kids, like there it happens to everybody. So when it happens to you, like don't don't be embarrassed by it. Don't don't be discouraged and, and be like, hey, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Just get back up, brush it off and, and get back out there because honestly, you know, Jaken hasn't shied away from the the steeplechase since then and he's he's rocking it right now and excited to you know, see if he can get into some big meets this year and he'll be, you know, grinding at that. And it's, it's exciting to see the improvement he's had through these years for sure. It, it definitely also helps too, to have teammates that are doing it with you and like coaches who will stand on the outside and be like, all right, it's hard. And obviously it stinks to be constantly pushing yourself and like you aren't hitting the times that you want to, but at the same time, it's like, you're also pushing your body to do something that's incredibly difficult and incredibly challenging to do. And I think that's the important part is like, it's already hard enough, like having this self doubt and being like, you know, I'm not hitting my times. Like you're doing so much and having to manage so much throughout those races and throughout those reps and stuff like that, that it's important to just remember, like you're going to have off reps and like, there are going to be times where your body's tired. You're not going to be able to hit the hurdles the way you want to and be able to go over them um, as smoothly and stuff like that. You just have to be able to, you know, get to that next hurdle and stuff like that. And, um, sometimes pick yourself up off the ground and turn around and yell back at your coach. I told you I was going to fall. And then, you know, you keep running. (laughs) Um, or sometimes you fall over the first hurdle and just have to do a barrel roll and pick yourself back up, um, and go place for a conference meet. Hey, it happens, you know, gotta do what you got. The important thing is like, you guys got, but you get back up. You fell in back-to-back meets, though, doing 400 hurdles, didn't you? Because you fell at Gustavus, and then you fell at conference. I did, yeah. Back-to-back 400 races, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 400 meter hurdles, yeah. Yeah. I did. And To uh, be fair, it was your first, like, two races doing it, right? It was, I mean, you you, you just started started it at the very end of your year just to see, like, how it would go. And it it wasn't bad. When you did fall, it was still, like, decent time. Decent time, so we're like, hey, let's give it a shot at conference. So, honestly, you, you did great at it you just have didn't have a lot of work at it yeah and the truth is you had other events that you were killing at so it was like you know staff we can't get you in the 400 too yeah <laughs> no that would have been so fun though i wish i was able to do it you know more throughout my career yeah. but yeah I, I had fun in my other events as well um you got some hardware and some other stuff so, so when did you start track um so i started track my junior year of high school um should have started earlier um family wanted me to do it and obviously a lot of my friends wanted me to do it did your uh, family do track and field too? Um, no, 
Just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, it was just something to do. I used to play, like, AAU in the spring and stuff like that, but I stopped playing basketball um, just because I transferred high schools and stuff like that. I played fall ball that year for Prior Lake, but it wasn't, like, you know, anything special. Um, and it's really political there. So, like, yeah, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Um, obviously, bigger school, a lot more kids that you, you know, got to compete with and stuff like that. We're going to um, get sweatshirts, by the way, that have Stefan's face on it, and the back says stuff like that. <laughs> when did this become right, a thing? This is the first time hearing of this. I, I think. I think. I mean, haven't who doesn't want that? If you guys want any gear, just let us know. <laughs> we'll we'll hook you up. Um, but yeah, like that. So <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be a catchphrase <laughs> now. It's a new thing. It's gonna be like a. It's gonna be a button you press. Steph like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Steph like that. Uh, that too. <laughs> We're just coining everything right now. So I have fair enough. We have stuff like that for you, and then you're dive in. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Okay. Those are the catchphrases now. Yeah, well, honestly, for just in general when it comes to, like, your favorite sport, Steph, you talked about, like, how you wanted to be a basketball player. You talked about how you really fell in love with Michigan. Michigan's got a few good sports. Talk about track and field and all this. Like, what sport do you most like watching? Jeez, that's a tough Not playing, question. Watching. Oh my gosh. Um, and I think it is. Dude, it's a tough. That's that's almost honestly. Uh, it might be the same for both. Pickleball. Pickleball. Get out <laughs> um, man, I'm a huge fan of track. Um, well, I'll let you think about it for one hey, second hey, because I I'm gonna do a I, shout out hey. to pickleball. We, we 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 got a pickleball comment in here, and how can we not? How can we not mention the Andre Agassi and Andy Roddick winning pickleball Grand Slam, um, and a million dollars for their charity? With uh, against uh, was it McEnroe and uh, oh, who was the other guy? Do you guys know? Did you guys hear about this at all? Is on ESPN. Like, no, they made a million dollars for their charity. But we've got some round of applause in there. Anyway, my uncle Dan was a solid pickleball player back in the day, so I wanted to give him a shout out too. Shout out to Uncle Dan. Uncle Dan. Um, but anyway, it's pretty pretty cool to be able to have a shout out for pickleball. I mean. That was a, a good detour. People. Anyways, what? <laughs> Back to the story. Um, I would say ever since I joined track in 11th grade, I probably just fell in love there, then there. Um, my first race was the 400. <laughs> As you can imagine, anyone who has never done track running the 400 for their first event. Um, <laughs> Literally. Man, how many cuts were on the track after that <laughs> race? Dude, I kid you not. Like, so good start. This is what my coach tells me for the race. He says, get out hard the first hundred. <laughs> Stride the second hundred. Exact words. Give it hell the last 200 meters. I'm just like, okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, this is going to be a breeze. This is just one lap around the track. Like, I got it, right? <laughs> Little does he know. Little do I know. Um, so, start the race. Um, I wish we had a video <laughs> on this, by the way. <laughs> Hey, if you can see my form then and now, oh, you can yeah. see the huge difference. <laughs> Picture oh. Stefan either looking at his toes or correcting it and looking at the clouds. Yeah, it, yeah. He's looking somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was definitely staring in the sky. Um, literally, I did exactly what he told me to do. I got out hard the first hundred. I stride the second hundred. Last 200, I gave it hell. <laughs> um, and let me tell you, when that, when that hell part came, it felt like hell. <laughs> um, I, I starting to tighten up. Um, my head was just in the sky. 
Dizzy probably. It, well, I wasn't really what? too I wasn't really too dizzy until I finished the race. Okay. Um, but coming down the home stretch, I felt like I had like a hundred pounds on each leg. <laughs> like yeah I, I, I was just right i can imagine that yeah i felt i felt like i was walking the last hundred meters right and i'm just like why am i going so slow at that time i did not know obviously the faster you move your arms the faster your legs move i didn't know that at the time now i do <laughs> huge difference <laughs> so for those out there when you're feeling lactic acid move your arms as much as you can <laughs> use your arms you know what's funny? You ran that what probably like freshman sophomore year of high school, or was it earlier? The four hundred. Yeah, that was my junior year. Junior year. Yeah. Okay, so he ran that junior year. Mine was senior year of college. Was my first open four. Indoor. Yeah, indoor. Yeah. yeah. And we just threw it me in it as a wild card because we're like, yeah, you could score points. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that's facts. <laughs> Honestly, that was, your first 400. That was my first 400, like, open ever, not, like, 4x4 four four or anything like that. That was, like, the first open four I've ever done. It was fun, wasn't it? Well, you're kind of like a Swiss Army knife, Jake. Yeah. I mean, Stefan's been like that, too, so you guys just, like, anything from a 200 to, f- to a 5K. Kinda like a golf bag, just pick whatever. And discus. Don't forget discus. Yeah, you like that a lot. Throw pretty, not far. You just got to remind I mean, it's not fr- it's not frolfing. It's not frolfing, yeah. It's no. Yeah, because then if it was frothing, I'd have a good Anheuser to it, and it'd flip pretty nice, <laughs> and have a good fade at the end, and we'd be we'd be chilling. Did we did we far. hear what your favorite sport to watch is? No, uh, we've I, been I was, talking I, track. I, that that what I, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> yeah. He was he was so getting there he, after he, his was, point. he was saying my favorite sport to you know watch. Yeah, and I was getting to it through track. Yeah, saying I fell in love with track, so I would say track is probably my my favorite sport to watch. Um, especially, especially when like it's worlds or the, the Olympics, like that's when it gets really good. That's really big good. because honestly, I mean, for all you listeners, like we are all like huge sports fans. And so for Stefan to say that, like, obviously as a track coach, I'm, I'm proud of that big time. But at the same time, like he could have, p- he could pick any sport. You think of all the big time events, final four, frozen four, super bowl, all this stuff. Like that's pretty cool. And track and field is incredible to watch. It, it really is. You you find some uh, special diamond league type meets or you know any anything that's um, qualifiers, worlds, USATF like sanctioned stuff. There's 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 so much stuff outside the Olympics that there is to watch and watch incredible races and jumps and throws and all this. Um, and seeing it in person, you've seen some awesome races in person and competed at venues. Oh yeah. So, no, it, it's pretty fun. Um, competed at the U of M a couple times. Competed at Kansas a few times. Um, Drake University. Um, yeah, I had fun. I mean, I loved it. Obviously, the atmosphere is a lot different. Uh, a lot of more people. You know, a lot. Oh, way better competition. The competition is crazy. It is. Um, it wild. Yeah, it, it, it does get wild. It's, it's really fun, though. I, uh, my senior year, went to Kansas. My race got pushed back of like three hours. Um, the eight, I had an 800, got pushed back like three hours. Yeah. I was supposed to have it at five. I ended up running at like eight. Oh, it was okay. It Friday was okay. night lights. It was awesome. It <laughs> was <laughs> sweet. That was like the new Rock Chalk Park too, right? Like yeah, was it, it was so a brand. It was the brand new Rock Chalk Stadium. So it, it was it was awesome. I mean, under the under the lights, it's just a track and field stadium. That's yeah. all it is. It's no beautiful. football field, nothing. Just track and field. Right That's next to is. the softball, fi- the new softball stadium or field. There, I guess it's not new now it's a couple years old 
and then the soccer field, right? Yeah, the soccer right field. Yeah, the soccer field's right there too. So, so no, it, it's a pretty sweet complex like area, you know, just to have everything. Um, but no, it, it was great. You know, had the jumbotron up. Like obviously, it's a Division One university, so they're gonna have a jumbotron <laughs> for their uh, <laughs> their timing board and stuff. They like put that. money into this athletic complex oh, for sure. Man, so and much it's, money. It's 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 a nice experience for fans, athletes, you know, coaches anybody it's it's a good time yeah i don't think there's a bad seat there no no and they, they've got some not for stands, i can't imagine sense. a bad seat for a track stadium like i i can't imagine like unless you're like turned around in your seat facing the wrong way or just staring straight up in the sky like there's no yeah there's no way well i think we're hoping we're hoping jakin's there next week so yeah We'll see. I'm hoping we're fingers on the crossed and talking about it before you take off the next. See, my uh, I told my mom that I was going to be busy Easter from like nine to six because I'm you know waiting on an important <laughs> message about if I made it or not, and she just kind of rolled her eyes through the phone and then said, "Yeah, you're going to show up for Easter regardless." So <laughs> I was like, "Okay, sounds good," but just those, know how about those Kansas athletic folk that are going to be working to like get everything squared away on Easter Sunday. That's pretty wild. I mean, yeah, because it's what you have. Everybody, like, come on. You figured it out on Monday or figured it out on Saturday, you know? You have the declaration period that's, what, 9 to 6, and then they announce at 6.30. Like, that's an all-day thing, too. It is. Like, and I'm sure, you know, they can probably do it remote, right? Yeah. But um, still, you got to have people manning it a little bit. Also, you want some uh, news on Kansas? Sure. Uh, Kansas Bill Self doing fine after Scare has no plans to retire. To retire, this was released by the Associated Press. But for those that were watching the uh, March Madness tournament, um, Bill Self was not coaching the one-seeded Jayhawks due to a health scare, but has just talked to reporters for the first time since March eighth, when he went to an emergency room after a final shoot-around for the conference tournament. He was complaining of chest tightness and concerns about his balance and had two stints placed to help treat blocked arteries at the University of Kansas Health System. So obviously a very scary uh, thing to happen for Coach Self. But um, he said, and quote, to be honest, I haven't done a lot since the Big 12 tournament, but I'm exercising almost daily. I don't know if you guys believe this. They told me that I need to improve my diet and exercise more. Uh, he then added, but I feel fine. My energy level is probably back to where it was prior to the episode, but not where it's getting ready to go, I believe. I think sometimes we don't realize we don't feel well until we actually feel well and know the difference. And I'm in the process of feeling well again, so I'm excited about that. End quote. The Jayhawks uh, lost to the Texas Longhorns in the Big 12 title game and then were knocked out in the second round to Arkansas. 72-71 in the NCAA tournament, but obviously good news and hopefully a speedy recovery to uh, Coach Self. Um, Coach Dunn, I know that you have some ties to Kansas, and obviously we were kind of yeah. talking about it before we started recording, but um, honestly, still some... we were all, you know, prayers out to Self, his family, Kansas basketball community and all that stuff. Um, but it's just one thing, you know, y- you you hope everything turns out well whether you're hearing good things, bad things and all of it. And, um, you know, it, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, we just, we hope, we hope Bill's health is, is back up at, you know, by, you know, tomorrow even more and in the next day even more. And he's feeling better every day. Um, so he can get back to what he loves. I think, um, 
like one thing that that he did say is another quote from him is i think the last several weeks i've been able to reflect on a lot of things he said the one thing i can tell you without question i missed my job i love my job and i want to do my job for a long time that's what is positive and that's something that you know i think we all as coaches we all as athletes we all as sports fans like we love those components of our life it's why we and it's why we get after that it's why we do that um but uh you know to to be away from what you love is is tough for anybody and um we hope he's back with with his basketball family soon too so staff how's how's that origin story you feeling like you got some more stuff <laughs> No, I'm good, man. <laughs> no? <Continue> going. <laughs> you good? Yeah. Well, we can keep it with um, college basketball then talk about the uh, men's and women's Final Fours. And what a weekend Dude. of basketball. Oh, my that was, goodness. That was ridiculous. I think we start with the men's okay, and then yeah. go yeah. to the women's. But the men's tournament, I mean, that first game, like what an introduction to what that Final Four was going to be. Back and forth game, FAU, if I'm – not mistaken, I think held the lead for like most, if not all, of that game they until did. literally the dying second, like the last second. That whole um, game, if if you're an SDSU fan, you're you're probably like hoping you're kind of you know like on the edge of your seat, like come on, like we're still in it, we still got a shot. But if you're FA, you're like, man, we're, we're we, this game's ours, this game's ours, we got it, we got it. And last, I mean, you can't you literally. Can't you said last week, like who wrote this script? Right, yeah. you said who wrote the script for the the tournament this year, and it, it has it had has been that it was that way all the way to the end, um, and and I I think when it comes down to, you know, what showed through in that game, I mean SDSU, you guys just talked about getting back up when you're falling in a hurdle race, like SDSU grinded to get that, like on defense they were they were working down low, tiring them out as much as they could, tiring FAU out as much as they could. FAU kept hitting threes, hitting threes, kept getting, you know, on it. And SDSU just didn't give up. You know, SDSU is not, we we talked about before, SDSU is not a team that's going to score a lot of points, but they were able to hang in there long enough and do just enough to get it done. And um, that's the best part about March Madness, man. It really is. Like, I think all of us, anybody watching that game, I mean, if you weren't on the edge of your seat at the end of it, like you, you you're not a college basketball <laughs> fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, Steph. I mean, what did you think about that FAU, SDSU game? Yo, honestly, the game was crazy. I was like on the edge of my seat, and I'm just like, yo, like if <laughs> FAU pulls this out, that'll be crazy. They had a chance. Um, obviously, didn't play good no- good enough defense. <laughs> Well, you want to talk about defense. How about the difference between a size 13 and a size 14 shoe? I mean, oh his foot, God. it was this his cl- foot it was, was like so close to so that close boundary. Over. And like you think about um, Kevin Durant in the playoffs against the Bucks, he where had he had his foot, foot on the line, you know, one size shoe back. Like that one was literally like the shoe fit for Cinderella in that moment. Yeah. Like that, it was so close to being out of play and. I was sitting there watching that final play too. I'm like, he's not going to get a shot off. There's no way he gets a shot off. Like, I, he's I not going to find a thing. shot. And then boom, he just shoots a quick shot. Obviously, in the in the post game interview, he said uh, he said yeah, he was aware of the clock. Obviously, you know where he was. There's a side clock that, that's above the you know the rim and stuff like that. So the hoop. Um, but yeah, so being aware, you know, game awareness, IQ to actually have that awareness. Um, 
it's just through the roof right now. Yeah, and the crazy thing was, too, they had a timeout that they just decided not to use, and I think it actually worked out, too, because it didn't allow FAU to draw up anything. They just had yeah. to defend. Yeah, and uh, the, even the coach um, of, you know, San Diego State, he even said, like, he trusted his guys. Like, he, he trusted them to bring it home. To come I mean, through. the adjustments that that team makes at halftime. I mean, in Bama, it was similar against Bama, right? I mean, they were behind. They they got back into it. Obviously, they, in the second half, they – they got ahead and then they pulled up more, right? Alabama couldn't shoot the three like FAU, but I mean, I mean, really, their de- their defensive adjustments that they made, absolutely incredible. Another thing that we found out too was like Butler and Tramel were like the men that got them to the Final Four in scoring, but like in the actual like Final Four game, like Bradley and Ladie off the bench, like got it done. Like they, yeah. they literally like it, it wasn't just a one or two man team, like when it had to be for just getting enough points to get there. And I think, you know, throughout this tournament and even from things that I've said or this, you know, our group has said a little bit is like SDSU's defense, SDSU's defense. They had players on their team that could do enough on offense and other ki- other guys that could step up um, when they needed to. And, and that that's impressive, you know, to be able to do that, too. And in, in, in the final four, you know, at a, at a stage like that. Yeah. And then the other game with UConn and Miami. I mean, UConn, we we should have been kinder to UConn, I feel like. We. Dude, well, <laughs> we, we know you we know do. Great. You know what? I'm blaming, I'm blaming you, Jake. And uh, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but, but here's the deal, okay? I wanted to go with the sexy pick. I, I didn't want to go with what everybody was picking in UConn. Again, before they won the championship this weekend, there's a lot of like are they blue blood like they're blue like they got like yes they're blue blood we gave them that before before the weekend started but this this UConn team it was like holding on to like hope right that like oh maybe SDSU can do it like it'd be great wouldn't it be awesome if you pick SDSU to win this game and they win like it's the sexy pick right and we all we all you knew it was going to happen we all knew it was going to happen, and even, you know, again, this is why I'm not a betting man, and um, just they d- dominated. They absolutely dominated. The, the, the game against Miami, right, Caravan, this guy reminded me of, like, Shades of Stojakovic, man. I don't know if you guys remember Peja Stojakovic at all, but, like, Shades of that guy, he would just nail threes. Big guy, like, on the, on the, on the three line, he just spot up, hit, hits threes. I mean, Sonogo. Like, how was he not up for the Wooden Award? Like, you, you watch the tournament, you're like, how is he not up for the Wooden Award? Obviously, the season was different, but you're just like, man, this guy, like. <laughs> he balled. Like, he, he was going bananas all, all tournament. You know? Um, like, so, I mean, he made all tournament team. Yep. Um, him as well as, um, what's his name? Was it Hawk- Jackson? Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah. Hawkins, yeah. Yeah, Hawkins also. They had three players make the all tournament team. Yeah, wasn't it all? I don't know if they they're, made it the way like it was like guard guard forward forward or oh, whatever. But I think, I think they did. But yeah, um, dude. So Sonogo, do you guys remember the name of Mecca Okafor? Yeah, like he kind of reminded me yeah. of him in this tournament. Like, I could see I that. Mean, there was just that dominance that he had, mm-hmm. um, and it's crazy that y- you know there's tournaments like you find people right like Steph Curry. Right, Davidson, when he was playing with them, like all of a sudden the tournament, they're like making around like, man, Steph Curry. And he'd been around, he's been doing good, but it was like we get to see him at this stage. 
there's so many athletes that really come to life in the tournament. And I think, you know, Sonogo stamped himself, you know, in college basketball and was able to say like, Hey, I'm here and, and at the end of the, um, he was the most outstanding player in the tournament. Yeah, he was. He won that award. And you know, we talked about Miami. I think, th- I mean, that game was over early, wasn't it? it I mean, UConn stomped they, them. SDSU kept around for like you know the championship game. They made it. They get, mm-hmm. gave an effort, but like Miami was done. <laughs> like they, they showed up. It was like did they get off the bus? Well, and one thing that I noticed too. So Miami was in the tunnel watching the end of the game previous. Of the FAU. And yeah. To me, it just seemed like they were all just kind of in that wow factor of like, wow, did you see that? Like, they were almost a fan in a sense. And I think that almost caught them out a little bit against UConn because you didn't really see videos of UConn standing in the tunnel, like waiting, you know. Um, And I think, you know, you obviously want to have the players take in the moment. Like, you just made it to the Final Four. You're playing in, like, the biggest stadium you're probably ever going to play in in your life. Uh, it's the biggest moment that you're going to have in your life to this point. Um, you want to be able to have them take it in, but I think it almost was, it almost worked against them in that point of like, you know, they're out with the crowd and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, we just saw this moment, crazy, wow, fantastic. All right, now you got to bring yourself back down to, you know, be able to kind of play your game now because you're here to play too and not necessarily just to watch. So I think maybe that kind of caught them out a little bit, but I mean, UConn won every game this tournament by double digits. Yeah, the lowest um, game they won by was 13. And, like, entering that, that Final Four, too, I mean, I think Coach Larinaga and, and Coach uh, Hurley? 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 Yeah. Coach Hurley, he, like, they, they took it differently, right? I mean, like, they, they went into it, and they're like, Coach L was all about, I'm talking about Miami now, they're like, hey, last year we got to the Elite Eight. This year we made it to the Final Four. And they were hyped about it. Like, we made it to the Final Four. For the first time in school history. Right, and that's incredible, right? And UConn, it was like, we're not done yet. Like, it, it was it was a different feel. If, you were, if you're looking at the teams going into the Final Four, there was just a different feel like, hey, we're happy to be in this Final Four. And another group that's, hey, we're not done. Like, we're not, we're not satisfied getting to the Final Four this time. And, and, and honestly, like that, I think that was part of the difference a little bit there potentially in that game. Um, but it, it just seemed like the tournament was too easy for UConn. They just, you know they I mean? got, like, and it, like looking back on it, like it was true dominance, but it also was like they just got a favorable schedule to just kind of run through the like tournament. Their matchup like their just matchups and... just worked really well, and they matched up really well against every single team they played. I mean, and, and, and so this is kind of like a fun fact, but last time SDSU and UConn met in the tourney was in 2011, and it was Kemba Walker. Taking on Kawhi, wasn't it? Kawhi yeah. Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, yeah. In the Sweet 16, UConn went on to cut down the nets that year. Um, but, I mean, that's that was pretty cool that they've met before, and, like, those names were there. So it's like, okay, these guys meet this time. Like, who's who's mm-hmm. here this time? Um but five, five and zero oh in t- championship games. Five and zero oh in championship games, and I mean, is there, five is and there one a in more final impressive fours? like times making it to championships and when like is there any no any there, sports there team franchise entity that has made it x number of times and won that same amount of times? And that's more than two, right? If you make it once, great. You win it. That's that's I mean, impressive. The, the, it is, the it is but Golden State Warriors. The Warriors, yeah, but I mean they've 
How many also, times have they made it to the They've also lost, lost a couple. They've they have lost they've couple. lost well, twice. Not, I guess they're not like undefeated in the yeah. championship game, but yeah, I mean they well, they've made I mean, it the a lot have though. Made it to the, the the big show a couple times, but they've never made it. They've I mean, never won it. So it's the opposite vibe of what the UConn. I know <laughs> we're obviously, I know we're obviously talking team wise, but I mean you have Michael Jordan going six for six in NBA Finals with two three peats, but yeah. like, you know, and you could throw the Bulls in on that too as a team. They're, they're six and zero. Oh. Yeah, you could you could say yeah. that. There you go. So there's but there's your comparison. Like it's. It's a very elite group, right? It's a unique group of anything, whether it's an individual doing this or that. Um, I mean, you could, like, talk about tennis, right? And you could talk about Federer and Rafael Nadal, things like that where they make it this many times the championship and win it. That's impressive for what it is. Tiger Woods winning how many times in, 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 you know, whichever championship, like, those things are all impressive, but but UConn doing it five times for a college team to do it like that, like that's that's impressive. Um, but I mean, Brian Dutcher, obviously an incredible guy. I mean, Steph, he like put together the Fab Five at Michigan back in the day before <laughs> that. Did, so like, I, I was like, dude, you got to be cheering for SDSU, man. You picked UConn, <laughs> and then um, I mean, honestly, like Dutcher is the guy that you know he was, he was an assistant coach, but he he's he's the guy that brought Kawhi to SDSU. So I, I think in the future, I think he's a guy that should be on Steph's love list. And um, <laughs> we're just see. we're just trying to slowly manipulate Steph into becoming an SDSU fan now. <laughs> that is our only goal on the podcast. And I guess like, you know, just to wrap up the men's, you know, Final Four, which great weekend in Houston and everything. But like, what do you think these the futures are for these programs? I mean, SDSU loses a lot. Um but SDSU is going to the Pac-12, so they're going to be able to recruit. FAU is is young. FAU is young. FAU is young, but UConn, know who I they think UConn is pretty young, too. UConn is, I, I would think, getting most of their team back, right? I think so. And I think Miami makes it to the national championship next year. You think so? Yeah, they, they just get, get better they every get, year. Do they get a lot back, too, or are they losing a few? I don't know. I was just going by history of, you know, they made it to the <laughs> lead eight, then they're going to go to the final four. Uh, no, gosh, I think... A years watching them make it now. <laughs> <laughs> I think... First off, I think college basketball is in a very good place competitively because, to be honest, the only team that you have that you're gonna say, "Hey, they should be back," would be UConn. I think it's a wide open field now, and that there's gonna be a lot more um, competitiveness within the conferences and different things like that. But I think, especially for teams like UConn and FAU, who are returning a lot of the team that they had for this year, and the only way that you know. They, they can only stop themselves, essentially. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch those teams specifically. Um, from there, I mean, it's anybody's guess how things shake out. I mean, Houston's going to be up there again, I feel like, because they've just had a good program the past couple of years. I think Alabama is pretty young, and I think they should be returning a lot back. Obviously, the tournament just ended a couple of days ago. We still have the NBA draft, so we'll see how many, <laughs> how many yeah. teams and how many players are like, going to declare and stuff like that and how that kind of shakes things up um but yeah i think it's going to be really interesting especially with things like the transfer portal and one when you see teams like you know again this has happened two times in the history right a 16 seed beating a one but when you see fdu beat a team like purdue i think a lot of kids out there that are looking at whether it's transferring or you know what college they're going to go to are saying like you can do this on smaller teams you don't have to go to the traditional blue bloods. 
and you know to to make a run or to get far in the tournament or to make a name for yourself right if you want to be able to say like hey like i'm a big part of what this program is doing and so i think the parity that's in college basketball is incredible and and that is something that's going to be exciting to see how these kind of smaller schools you know seeding we talked about that being a you know an important thing it's hard right it's very difficult to seed right because you're going to have small schools that i think have the capability of doing what an FAU does, right? You know, is FAU going to get a nine seed next year if they do everything again with this, the young group they have? Like, you know, I think all that changes a little bit too. So, I mean, I, w- I wonder what would happen um, just because this past season they had the most wins in college basketball, right? If they have the most wins in college basketball two years in a row next year, right? How is that going to, le- how is that going to affect their, you know, Seating, their seating, their recruiting, like everything. They, um, there have been statistics where teams will go on a run and like, just obviously huge amount of monies or huge amounts of money like flood the school, but then also like you know you see the talent increase and stuff like that. You see people wanting to go to that school to play basketball. So I think especially next year if they make another run and they prove that hey this is more than just a one year wonder in a sense. We could see FAU around a little more often and keep I'm, seeing I'm, that team grow. I'm putting this out there as just some buzz, but like, right, Dusty May at FAU, does he start doing some things like Mark Few at Gonzaga did? Because Gonzaga, they started winning years in a row, years in a row. Now Gonzaga is what it is. So does Dusty May, does he go somewhere else at some point here? Or does he stick around FAU and does he build something, right? I mean, that it's that will be exciting to see too. Like how long does Dusty May stick around to do what he's doing there? Because there's no way he's not having fun. Right. No, you're ha- if you're making the final four, you're having fun. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's doing something special at a school that, you know, obviously this year they got after it and what carrot top is a graduate from FAU. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yes. You know, I think <laughs> it's just, but it's, um, It'll be interesting just to kind of see where where he goes if he stays there and and what happens with um with that program i'm I'm on board with kind of being excited about figuring that out over the next sure. few years um women's tournament where do we even start wow <laughs> i mean i maybe one of the, i mean this had everything that you want <laughs> from you know drama to absolute like edge of your seat nail biting um stuff incredible like play i mean it, just across the board right i mean this final four was amazing um you know you, you start with just the final four stuff kitley for virginia tech amazing she's actually going to be back next year for virginia tech so exciting to see her another year and give them another run um but angel reese and like the and lsu going on like a 19 and 0 run to start the fourth quarter and, and go up by 10. They, they were down. They were down. Like, and and they yeah. literally, they went on a 19-0 run in the fourth quarter. Just never looked back. I mean, that LSU team took off in that fourth quarter, and they may never have looked back till the whole tournament was over. <laughs> like, like The momentum just, just kept going. They just built and built and built. And, man, I mean, Angel Reese can ball. That girl, I mean, how many double-doubles did she have? You, I think was it, was it? Like, uh, it was like over 20 or something like that, right? Like It was a record, right? Season. Yeah. Um, Most double-doubles in NCAA. Yeah. Just yeah. incredible. Um, 
And then, I mean, obviously the, the, the other final four side, you, you had Caitlin Clark going up against South Carolina. And I, I don't, I know that a couple of us picked Iowa, but or at least I, we like, we floated the idea, was, it was but it wasn't like, anything it was like, like the San Diego State pick. To be honest, it was like it's a sexy pick. You want to see Caitlin Clark go to the final, like you want to do that. But I, I honestly, I, I didn't know if South Carolina, like they beat South Carolina. That was insane. I, I honestly, I thought like obviously South Carolina had the better all around team, um, so that's what I was thinking. They were gonna go in, go in and dominate. Obviously, Caitlin Clark had, you know other plans for it you know what i mean so she she went out there and she balled. 19 points first half for caitlin she balled and, and then she followed that up with what 22 you said 19 right 19 so 22 22 in the second half to just propel honestly, them that first too half, though zaya clark for uh south carolina like she was carrying south she was carolina on yeah. Fire. yeah she I, I was like this is like like who's the better clark right now like because obviously i mean caitlin had 19 in the first half but like zaya was rolling and it was like Man, I mean, this is the Clark show, but if you're a South Carolina Cook. fan, you're like, this is our Clark show right Cook. now. What? Cook. Cook? No, Zy Clark. Zy Cook. Zy Cook. Is it? I think so, yeah. We, we're going we're gonna to check that. <laughs> we're double we're checking really double quick. Check <laughs> um, but yeah, Zaya, man, she was amazing. She she played so well. And, um, I mean, Staley, coach of the year, right? Yeah, Don Staley. Well, actually, no. I don't know if I give it to Don Staley this year. I think I think they gave it. Didn't um, it come out that the Colorado coach? Oh yeah, Colorado coach. I thought got it. A huge run this year. Yeah, this is like the first I think they've ever made it in the tournament as well. Yeah, I I mean this 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 season for women's college basketball, there was so much drama, so much stuff going on. I mean, Caitlin Clark, first player to reach a thousand points and three hundred assists. Um, she did that in the, in the final four game. Um, and then honestly, what is it? Uh, oh, I was, we were, we were all wrong. It was, uh, the AP coach of the year was Indiana's Terry Morin. Oh, Indiana did have a good year. Yes. They had a great year. Yeah. Yep. They got upset by, they uh, they got got upset by Miami. Miami. They got upset by Miami. Yeah. Um, what was, it was Zaya Cook. Is that what you found out? Okay. Um, Apologize, Zaya Cook. You were incredible, absolutely incredible in the Final Four. Um, but how do you pronounce? Is it Z- Zanano, Zanano for for Iowa? It's it's Clark's like Robin. Zanano. Yeah. Yeah. Caitlin's Caitlin's Robin like literally just dishes it to her. Their like pick and roll move that they had it was just like butter every time. She She's from Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. What do you know? What high school she went to? Um, I don't. But her sister plays for the U of M. Interesting. That's a fun one. Whenever they, <laughs> whenever they play, so that's. I mean, like she, she was. She had a great Final Four game and was obviously a key part of them getting there. I mean, they, they, they had a team to get to that championship game. Like that team is what what did it. Obviously, I mean Clark, generational player. I mean, absolutely incredible things. But, um, you know, yeah, her hometown actually. So I just looked this up: Watertown, Minnesota. High school Watertown mayor, Caitlin Clark. No, no, Caitlin oh, Monica, Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean, pretty amazing. Six three. Yeah. So she was a fifth a year tall. this year. So, um, she's done. you know, I mean, we'll see league. if she ends up trying to go to league, and <laughs> hopefully, and 
uh, style kind of player she can be on a team that's got a, a generational player, right? She can be a great role player, I think, at that next level. Um, but then the championship game, right? That championship game. Let's just start with the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> the first quarter was awesome. Caitlin Clark, I think, had like 12 points or something like that in the first quarter. They is that, had 19, is that what it was? They had like 19 points as a team. Yeah. And she had 12 of it. Yeah, she yeah. became the highest scorer in a single tournament uh, for men's or women's in the champion during the championship game at 191 points. Um, and, and that was absolutely, like, just incredible. I think I, she, like, uh, was it Cheryl Swoops? Yep, yep. She beat Cheryl Swoops' record. Yep. Was it, Glenn, was it Glenn Rice that had, like, 184, 186, something like that? Something like men. that for the men, yeah. And um, that's, like, tournament tournament record of, like, of like, 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 like everybody yeah so that was it was pretty impressive to um for everything that that she was able to do in this tournament but i mean miami or not miami miami <laughs> just we're talking about miami a lot so yeah far that's because fair. of the yep. men's and the women's um of what they've done but uh no lsu uh and man iowa LSU. like what like wh- what was your What's the biggest takeaway from that game? The biggest like, takeaway? That, the two, that, the, that it was the absolutely the best like championship the best you could t- ask for? Okay, I mean, LSU's bench. Holy they cow. They put up so many points. They averaged 5.6 points a game before that, before was the biggest that championship game, and that they was had 20, was it 20? Well, it was honestly nine? Jasmine Carson off yeah. the bench too she had 22 points. went 22. five or six from three so but yeah they had shit they had 20 29 points um i think from the bench in that game and she like before that it was 5.6 was like the yeah. average well and like lsu closed that second quarter so well too so well and it, i think yeah, that was the difference it. because it just it was too much for iowa to try to come back from even when clark and um Iowa's team were just starting to hit those threes. It was like, okay, they're starting to come back, but it was like it was still seven, I eight s- points. I do say that was a big factor, but I say another big factor is that Foul Iowa trouble. Two, yes, Clark they, and Cesano, both of them like they had were four fouls. There yeah. was. Were you going to say something else besides that, the foul that, trouble? No, that's what I was. That was bring up, but yeah. foul trouble was rough for that for that team. And and but again, right? LSU's bench showed up. Right, if Iowa had twenty nine points from their bench, it's a different story. Yeah, too. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the foul trouble was was rough. I think, you know, everybody knows watching the news. Like, there's other things that f- swirled around when it comes to just the fouls and like, you know, was it a technical? She rolled the ball behind your back. You know, it was called. Right at the end of the day, it was called. You know, just give the ball to the ref. That kind of a thing. Um, we won't even go over how the game was refereed. <laughs> we love the refs. We yeah. talked about this. I and <laughs> I think too. I think too. I will say that's a tough position to be put in when there's just so much. There's so much emotion. Going on. There's so and much really, going on. I think, it, like this game is elevating for the exposure that these women are getting. That it, just everything. It's a, it's intense pressure that not just these players are under constantly, but these refs are under now with these these women's games that are you know on such in such a spotlight. And when you have the talent that you have, um, you know, across the board when it comes to, you know, division one women's basketball. Now it's, it's, it, it's just getting that much more yeah. right. Intense. And I, th- and I think the media attention to, to the game itself. I mean, there was what almost 
there was nine point something million people who watched the game. I think it peaked at like twelve point something million um, for viewership for that game. One of the most watched um, games on ESPN this year so far. But like, I think the amount of attention that the matchup and the players that were in it that brought to it, it brought a lot of people from outside that sport into it. And right. I think that just increased the media attention, which probably also is what kind of right. led I mean, people to be calling out things like that. The personalities, I mean, right, the men's game has had athletes and the coaches and all these, and there's so much of that per same personality in, in women's college basketball with the athletes and coaches. I mean, Coach Mulkey, four championships, you know, three with Baylor, and now after just this is her second year with LSU, just from a small town LSU, bringing it home. Like, how cool is that for her? Um, for fans of Mulkey, whether they're, you know, Baylor fans that are just like, Hey, like way to go Mulkey. Like, yeah. I mean, like, or from her hometown in, in Louisiana, all LSU fans out there. I mean, what an incredible run for her journey for her. Um, you know, if, if we had somebody out here that was, um, you know, talking about wardrobe and all of that, I think we'd probably have somebody going off about Mulkey and, and what she... I got to start copying her style for meets. Just start wearing <laughs> just flashy pink jacket. <laughs> Steph looks like he's like, yeah, that, go for it, dude. Steph's going to buy one Just too, go I for guess. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you know what the best part is too, at least in terms of like um, viewership and stuff like that? Both Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese are going to be back next year. I know. So this is the crazy thing um, for those who may not know is that men and women have a different timetable of when they can enter the draft for each respective leagues. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure women have to go three or four years. Uh, for women, it's four. So Clark yeah. and Reese would be eligible senior, next year after the senior year. Mm -hmm. um, but for men, it's it's one and done um, if you're obviously that good be one and done um a lot of actually a lot of college players actually go all four years some go two to three um but obviously like top 10 recruits they're gonna go one and done top 20 stuff like that um just as obviously you want to go young because their ceiling will be a lot higher um and then you get a, you know a younger player for less money <laughs> true <laughs> so, um but yeah so that, that was that was something i wanted to bring to light yeah, and I, I think it's going to be interesting, too, once they do go, if they do go. Keep in mind, they also have a COVID year that they could use, so potentially they could go all the way to 2025. Yeah, if they really want. If they really want to. I, I think for both of them, I think going next year and then going to the WNBA would be good for both, but at the same time, like, if you really want that college championship, you know, like if Kalen Clark doesn't get it next year and is like, you know what, I really want to bring it to Iowa. Well, technically, eligibility-wise, this was uh, Angel Reese's second year. So she could have more? Interesting. Yeah, because I think she had, because um, she got hurt at Maryland, so she had like a red oh, shirt. Oh, so she had a red shirt on top of the coat. Okay, interesting. I mean, that's that's incredible. But big shout out to the PDA going on for the 10 million viewers for the final for that women's final. Major, it was hard to PDA. it was hard to look away because it, especially towards the end of that third quarter, entering the fourth, it was like, oh, Iowa might be crawling back into this. Like that's they, more they than were, the Sugar Bowl and Sigur, Orange Bowl yeah. this year. Yeah, like that's that that viewership is huge, and I know that they're like just ending their like um, 
their contract, their media deal. And so they're going to get a new one Mm -hmm. and whether it was going to be combining them with a couple other sports and how they've been doing it for, with ESPN, um, or whether they're going to now go on like their own. Yeah. I think that 10 million viewership that they got for the final basically just solidified that yeah they're gonna, i think they're gonna get a pretty good media deal and especially too with you with the way you look at like volleyball and how much that's growing as well softball is growing pretty big now too like women's sports especially collegiately is starting to really grow and really take off and i think that's really exciting to watch too because a lot of the games are just they're so well played and there's so much action and intensity and drama that comes with it like you're on the edge of your seat a lot of times just because like you genuinely don't know what's going to happen so I think it's going to be really good for um collegiate sports and women's sports in general to be able to have games and more moments like this and then be able to put more of a national spotlight on that and kind of grow viewership and keep continuing to grow and stuff and you you touched on softball and I got to say this because it was another record that happened this weekend but Oklahoma played Texas uh, in softball. The attendance record um, was 5,724 at Fresno State uh, prior to the Oklahoma-Texas softball game. Any guesses on on how much that record went up? 20,000. Jeez. I'd say like 2,000. It went up like 2,000. Okay, well, the the, the new record is now 8,920. Okay. <laughs> You're way off. Yeah, I was way off. I was, ho- I was um, hoping that it was like 20,000 total, to be honest. I wasn't thinking it went up 20,000. But, but my but kind of question to pose from all this, so, you know, big shout-out to the PDA going on um, out there for women's softball because o- Oklahoma, Texas, I mean, that – Obviously, everybody showed up with their. Uh, either you're in burnt orange or you're in you're in red. You're like in red. either way, yeah, absolutely. And um, but now, I mean, the question I want to pose to you guys is like, is is Oklahoma softball like currently the most dominant of any college sports team? Yes, they they've been dominant in softball. Or is they, there, or there so is there long. another college sports team that's more dominant than Oklahoma softball? You could you could look to. Are you talking about like recent history or? I think it's genuinely just a like toss-up. Right just like right like currently. It's a toss-up between, um, and I know they just lost in the Final Four. We've been talking about it. It's a toss-up between right now South Carolina, Georgia football. South Carolina for, for, women's, for women's basketball. Yeah. South Carolina women's basketball, Georgia football, or Oklahoma softball. Yeah. Because I think all the other sports – um Nick and Sa- like Nick that's Saban Georgia that's Georgia for the past not, couple of years. Would you not put like Alabama there because they're always. I was there. just but saying like Nick Saban. We want you to be hearing this right now because Nick Saban. Nick Saban's already hurt. And, and my wife. There's already a been huge memes. Fan, Nick Saban. So my wife wants the absolute best for your <laughs> for for Bama roll tide. Um, but <laughs> no, you're just I, trying to save a guest appearance. It's okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But uh, no, I think. I think I would put Alabama up there, but at the same time, like, Georgia beat Alabama, and then Georgia went and just ran the table, essentially, and won um, the national championship this past year. So I feel like it's hard to put Alabama up there right now just because they aren't the top dog. And I know I just put South Carolina on that pedestal, but at the same time, like, South Carolina up until the Final Four was undefeated. Um, you know, and Alabama, according to Alabama standards, kind of struggled this year and had a couple of losses to teams that historically they've just been able to beat the past couple of years and beat handedly. And I think that's partially because like the game's starting to catch up to them. Um, 
but at the same time, I think like you you see the teams that are winning right now, and you see the teams that are like I feel like Georgia is going to be around for a while, right? And and we know Alabama has been plagued partly in the last couple of years too because of injuries and different things yeah. like that have happened. But part of being on this this list that we're talking about right now a little bit is like weathering that storm too, right? Because all these teams, right, they have the same opportunity to have injuries on their team and like they're they're getting the job done yeah but um yeah no i i think when it comes to softball obviously uh, oklahoma's in pretty good shape <laughs> i th- i think so and they i don't know i it's hard to really think of like it's hard for me to really think of a team that's going to rival oklahoma in softball because they've just been historically they've just been the team like they've been the blue blood of softball for number of years now so it's hard them in like ucla ucla they're usually pretty they're usually usually like the west coast schools i think for baseball and softball usually draw pretty well i think east coast schools as well you look at like in ole miss and vanderbilt um in terms of baseball and stuff like that but oklahoma i mean that's not necessarily either coast um you're kind of landlocked out there in a sooner land so i think for them to be able you think that's funny don't you (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think for them to be as dominant as they are, like it definitely deserves a lot of respect and a lot of credit to that program and how they built and they're growing the game in their own right too and in, in their own way. So no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, anything else you guys want to touch on for Final Four stuff or? <sighs> I think I'm Final Four out. I gotta I gotta recuperate for now another <laughs> another forty eight weeks or whatever, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that Final Four, though, both men's and women's, like, you guys did a fantastic job. We give you a round of applause. We, we appreciate everything. You know, and I'm just going to provide context. I am hitting a crowd applause button that I'm hoping goes through and records. Otherwise, it's going to be really funny when we're just sitting here in silence <laughs> and we hear it, but they don't. Oh, yeah, man. we'll find that out pretty fast. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so obviously last week we talked a little bit about um, opening weekend for baseball, maybe just touch on some things that, um, you know, maybe we personally care about. I know the Twins had a great start against the Royals. We were pretty proud of that, and then they've kind of petered out here against the Marlins the last couple of Two days. Two really good starting pitching performances, though, by the Marlins. We'll say that. Like, I Yeah, it, no, absolutely. And I think that's the one thing that, at least in the Twins games, you know, they had uh, one game where they – had a few runs, but a couple games that, or most of their games have been pretty much pitching duels yeah, in, in a sense. So, um, but you know, twins are up for the task. It's a long year and, and they're getting after it. Um, where's the pitching in Boston right now? Nowhere. I mean, against the Orioles and the Pirates. Like Boston is one of three teams since 1900 to score nine runs in their first three games. But let's be honest, they've, they've allowed a boatload of, of runs during this you know start of the stretch and so um you know my question is is are some of those issues at pitching going to be addressed right away because there's just too many runs and, and it's in every every red sox game right now i think there's so much like adjustments <laughs> happening with the pace of the game and different things like that and just there's going to be so much more mind games too um one of the things that they were talking about on one of the broadcasts i was watching for the brewers game was you know, with two strikes, are you going to take your one batter's timeout to try to disrupt the pitcher? Um, and, you know, if you're the pitcher on the flip side, are you going to take your one timeout when you're just getting beat around? Like the Brewers 
hit back-to-back-to-back home runs off one of the best starters in the MLB in Max Scherzer. And for him, it's like, you know, he doesn't give that up very often. That's the first time since 2017 that's even happened to him. So I think there's going to be gamesmanship with that. I think the pace of play is kind of like players are still getting setting in and getting used to it. I mean, the the Twins game, um, when they played Sandy Alcantara, I think it was two days ago now, um, was an hour and 57 minutes for the entire game. Like how do you how do you even like settle into a game that's was typically that three? Like, that's that the fastest game that's been recorded, I think, in a long time. Yeah, possibly ever. But like, yeah, games have been actually cut down by an average of like twenty five minutes. Twenty five thirty minutes. Yeah. So I think I think the pace of the play is it's going to affect everybody at some stage or form. Like we're going to see guys who had been dominating, who could kind of dictate the pace. They now have to abide by a clock and their internal clock is going to take a while to readjust. So I think it's. And how wild do some teams get that maybe are on the wrong side of this and they start to like lose a few and they're like, man, we just need to up the pace a little bit more. Like if we're just up there and we're just throwing things fast, quick, just trying to get through innings fast, maybe it'll mess with the hitters a little bit more. Or if, you know, they're batting, taking like, you know, time out to try to slow something down a little bit if you can. Right. But there's, there's some things that I think some of these losing teams might, will be able to try with these new rules to maybe like, you know, mess it up a little bit. So, and here's one thing that I think is interesting too, right now, my team, the Brewers currently five and one, um, just won the day we're recording the podcast on, they just won on a walk-off home run by one of our young stars who have been absolutely shining the first couple of before games. We, before we get and, all high and mighty well, about the Brewers, how about the flyover with the roof closed? Hey, it's pageantry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, that that is, is is that like the is that like the not top 10 winner of the year, potentially? No, it's called We Built a Roof to make sure that our opening day um, game wasn't postponed due to weather. <clears throat> Minnesota Twins. <clears throat> um no, I I do think that it was a little ridiculous, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, it's opening day for that stadium. How do you not at least have a flyover or something? Are you fired if you're the person in charge of hitting the button to open the roof? Probably, because I think it was raining at the time. That <laughs> <laughs> or, like, rain was coming, but either way. Oh, man. Um, I think you look, though, at the um, how young that Brewers team is. They're used to the pitch clock because it's been down in the minors the past couple of seasons I think I think they're already adjusted to it and they've been able to make plays and like part of it is like they are just talented but I think when we're talking about things like the pitch clock and being adjusted to it those guys are going to shine because they've been playing with it now so I think that's going to be something we see throughout Major League Baseball as you have my young minor leaguers come up and they start making an impact right away because they're used to playing with a pitch clock no absolutely when I know you know, one of the teams that Stefan kind of to- tokened is uh, as being somebody that he wants to be seen in October a little bit is uh, the Angels. How about Trout and Otani going back to back on home runs opening weekend? Yeah, that that was actually pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> obviously, they both just got back from playing uh, the World Championships, right? Which the World Baseball Classic, World Baseball yeah, Classic, yeah. Which is insane. so they're they're pumped up and they're they ready play, to go. They played each other. <laughs> Right, and yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Trout hit a homer off of Shohei. No, Shohei struck out struck Trout. Out. Oh, okay. Shohei okay. struck out Trout to is, end the World Baseball is, Classic. Is he the best player? Trout or Otani? Otani is he Ohtani the best player in the league right now? Easily, yes. 
because we've never Babe Ruth pitched for three years while also hitting. Shohei is on year five of doing that, and like he's continually getting better. Like the things that Shohei Otani is doing, we've never seen and may never see in baseball. Period. Yeah, it, it's like, pretty insane, actually. The the amount of dominance that he has, where he can hit, you know, forty home runs, bat three thirty, and drive in one hundred twenty, and then also on the what flip is his side, stats to start the year, to, to start the, first, se- can you I'll, the I'll look that up quick. Yeah. Um, but no, I I mean, Angels started hot. They're 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 rolling right now. Um, so I think that's a pretty good hot take from Stefan from last week for sure. Um, you know, another one too that um. You know, lo- looking through some of this stuff, like Phillies had a tough time in Arlington, like against the Rangers. I, I mean, like really tough. Like they couldn't get anything done. Is is it Young J U N G? He was like a first round pick for the Rangers. Absolutely oh, yeah. added to that franchise. Yeah, like, I mean that he he's he's definitely a young gun. I may, maybe I don't know if he's going to be a future potential rookie of the year, but um, just he's he had a great weekend against the Phillies on opening weekend. Um, and so it'll be kind of fun to see what he can do there. But Phillies have to write that ship because we all know and we talked about how much money that franchise spent. Um, and it was interesting. They had like during the game, they had a live feed with, you know, who's who's the Dodger player that you guys lost to the Phillies there, Steph? Oh, you mean Trey Turner? They had Trey oh, the sigh every we time. Have to, <laughs> we have to keep going back. No, we have to keep going back. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of the story. So Trey Turner was actually like live on with it was Sunday night baseball I believe and they were talking to him while he was fielding and there she's talking to ESPN and and literally as he's talking the guy take gets a hit and he's like oh <laughs> he's like he's like running while they're talking to him and I'm like what are you guys doing like they they've like, been I would doing be, that I'd be though ticked off though if I was a coach I'd be ticked off if I was a fan like a real fan of the Phillies I'd, yeah. I'd be like come on man what, what are we doing here um, so I wonder how long they do that this year. I do like it. I think it adds to the game, but it's it's something that I like, think there's action happening. So right? yeah, I think it's interesting because they started doing it in the All Star game where they would have guys out in the field, but then they would like turn the mics off while they're batting and stuff like that. But they would talk to them and interview yeah. with them out in the field. I think it's different when it's outfielders because oftentimes, I mean, outfielders, you're not always like in the heat of the action with infielders. Like at any moment, literally, you could have a screamer coming right at you. And um, and you have to be able to base. react. So, so like it wasn't like to him, but yeah. it was like it was in his vicinity. So mm-hmm. he was like moving. He's like, oh, like I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it definitely adds an element for fans who are just kind of like, hey, yeah, I'll turn the game on. But like you like get to hear like a free safety on Mike. Yeah. And then kind of like you know setting him up, and it's like, oh man, this guy, you know, yeah, Rogers is throwing a bomb here. Like, I mean, like, like I mean, it would never happen. Right. Like, so, so, but I think I think baseball what. What they did last year is baseball's pace of play was just so slow that they could sneak in interviews and stuff like that and be able to ask him questions. Whereas now it's like, I think the game is going to change. I don't know that they'll stick with it probably after this year. I could see for the foreseeable future that they're going to stick with it, but I don't think they'll stick with it unless like the guys in the dugout or something like that. So yeah. Yep. Um, Shohei's stats so far, he's batting 286, two home runs, six RBI. Um, and then pitching wise, I mean, uh, in two games started, one and zero, point seven five ERA, averaging one walk or hit per inning, uh, has pitched twelve innings with eighteen strikeouts, seven walks, um, and then allowed five hits, one earned run. So he's been dominant on the mound. 
Um, Batting-wise, I mean, in 21 plate appearances, six hits. So it's not bad, especially considering league average is around the 250s, 260s. I mean, it's it's gone down quite a bit, but, like, because who, because who are who are who who do you think there are other individuals that would be up for like MVP? Aaron Judge, right? So I'm looking at Aaron Judge right now. So because he's the one that I was thinking of off the top of my head. Three, Steph three, is rolling his eyes, uh, and he should. He's a Dodger fan. 348 average is what he's batting right mm-hmm. now, right? So he's he's batting better than Otani. So, yeah, so he's not he's not a pitcher so, though. So we have Otani, and then we have Judge, and then yep, two home runs for Judge, four RBIs, one stolen base. I mean, he's he's getting stuff done too. Yeah, you know, and, and so both both of the I would say, well, two people we've just discussed that that kind of probably came into the season with kind of like that clout being able to like be in the conversation of yeah. MVP are getting stuff done week one. If we get a if we get a hot pick right now, I'd go Joey Gallo. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the things he was doing for the Twins lineup. I mean, it's obviously fallen off the past couple of games, and oh, you kind of go through that. But Joey Gallo would be that'd be fun. Would be a fun one Man. to kind of watch here now. Um, Each team kind of, we maybe uh, as we get later into yeah. the summer with some more baseball, we talk about yeah talk about an opportunity to maybe jump on each team going through like who we think is maybe a potential. Dark guy. horse, yeah. Steph, do you have anybody that you think could, could enter that conversation? Any Dodger dogs this year? <sighs> Dodger uh, dogs. <laughs> no, not really any anyone in particular on the Dodgers at the moment. Um, obviously, if Kershaw was healthy throughout the ho- entire season, I believe he would be someone that's always in that conversation. Um, but unfortunately, as a Dodgers fan, um, we don't get him healthy for a full season ever. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think it's just like his age and his arm just kind of catching up with him or it's his back too man it's it's everything i think his uh he's getting old i mean he's he he was drafted by the dodgers yeah out of high school yeah so he's he's been he's been at it for what about mookie Betts? mookie see i like mookie it's gonna be mvp no there's too many good players on that team for him to be I guess in that conversation, at the I moment. think I think he's definitely a dark horse for it. But I think you also yeah. look at guys like Ronald Acuna Jr., um, Nolan Arenado. Uh, you got Juan Soto in that division too. Right now, anybody on the Brewers you, you lineup? Not mention Mike Trout. I know he's on the same. Well, team, Mike Mike Trout Mike Trout's in Anaheim though. I know not. he's on the same team as Otani. Is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But but I mean, right now at least current odds favorites, Mike Trout is third, and Otani's one. Yeah, and keep in mind too, it's AL MVP, NL MVP. It's not like the NFL where yep. it's one award. Yep. Which I honestly like, but but um, yeah. Anything yeah, else? Baseball. That'll be exciting though to see kind of what's going on in the baseball AL NL this year. Yeah. And it's already started off fun. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's been uh, late nights watching some of that, and I miss web gems. I, I miss I miss seeing web gems. Web gems. There's there's gonna be a couple uh good ones, I think. I I've seen a couple just scrolling through Twitter of there uh Hunter Renfro had a catch where he was just not looking at all where the ball was. He just over his shoulder. Yep. Granted his defense it should have gone the way he was running and looking, but it didn't and he still somehow caught it. So <laughs> Dude, what about okay, what about your Michigan blue for the frozen four, man? <laughs> Wait, wait, they gotta, I'm, wait, you think I'm waiting for it. Thing? I'm waiting for it. Give it to me. Are you just calling it right now? Give it to me. 
You know two words. Hey, hey, go blue. There we go. Go blue. Look, look. Um, I. Everyone that's here got a chance. Um, Remember, Stefan started skating at what age? Hey, I was in third grade. I'm third grade <laughs> skater I was like here. 10. Was that ten? Is that ten? He got into hockey. Uh, He's a big eight. blue. Go blue. He bleeds eight blue. <laughs> look, um, yes, I believe Michigan has a chance. To win. <laughs> but look, <laughs> there it I'm is. Not, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Minnesota is looking really good. I think Minnesota is looking really good. I think the game to watch, I mean, Minnesota has, I think, two full lines that they could put on the ice and play in the NHL, like right now. Like, they are solid top to bottom. Um, I do think, however, they have a tough matchup against Boston. They, they do, do, and Boston the team that, can, the team that has up. the talent to beat them is Boston, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the team I think that, I'm not saying anything bad against Michigan here, but... Yeah, I, I would say Boston definitely has the the athletes to do, you know, he what we need. the championship. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> hey, I would like to say that in Michigan's first round game, they won 11 to one over Colgate. Then then followed that up with um, beating Penn State two one in overtime. But like, they can score. They can score. They can yeah. score. And like with the way that this tournament has gone. There have been so many weird games where it's just goal after goal after goal after goal after goal after goal after goal. Like, it's just all offense. And then you got down to the, all right, to get to the Frozen Four, it was 2-1. to one. All right, this one's 4-1, to 4-1, to 2-1. to one. Like, it closed up a lot. So I think the, the, the defense is obviously going to pick up a lot on the ice, and I think um, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of really tight games and really close games here for um, – well, starting tomorrow, um, I think I think the team with the most pressure going into this weekend, though, is the U, like the U of M. Of I, course, I, and of I course. think it's we're gonna know right away, and I think the first period, if the U of M is is feeling that pressure or if they're not thinking about it, because honestly, you look at you know what it means to own the state of Minnesota in hockey. It's a big deal to the Gophers. It's a big deal for the Gophers, whether it's for recruiting purposes, whether it's just like, hey, like, we're the University of Minnesota. This is our state for hockey. Like, we're the state of hockey. We want to be the state. Of- well, you're playing Boston, who also wants to be a state of hockey. Yeah. But when it comes down to, like, the the school in Boston, too. I mean, and maybe Boston U has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, too, for this, too, because, like, the last Boston team to win a national championship was Boston College. And they've done. They've had a couple. You know, the last two Boston schools to win, um, or the last two Massachusetts schools, I guess, to win, were were Boston College in in 2012 and Boston College in 2010. And Boston University hasn't won since 20, 2009. Um, 2008 Boston College won too. So I think Boston University wants to try to climb that ladder and be like, hey, we we own Mass. Yeah, and I think you look at it too. The that Fargo regional was basically the Minnesota regional. Um, just yeah. played in North Dakota, but it, you had St. Cloud State That's where the in Minnesota. Played, boys, yeah, so apparently. You know. <laughs> okay, yeah. Big, big UNT. <laughs> you had so. St. Cloud State in St. Cloud, Minnesota. You had Minnesota State from Mankato. Then you had the U of M all in that same regional. And last year, too, I think there was, what, five Minnesota teams that made it to the um, NCAA tournament for hockey. So, like, the the state of Minnesota is alive and well within hockey, but like did especially UMD make it this year, for who? who? The UMD. No, Duluth. no, Duluth did not. Um, it's crazy how how 
much they fell off after a national title like a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just kind of it's kind it's gone down a little bit for UMD. But um yeah, I think it's it's really important for Minnesota to at least like set the tone early against Boston and just kind of be able to take control of the game and have it be, you know, their game to lose in a sense versus Boston taking it from them. Who who uh who beat Denver in the tournament? Who beat Denver? It was Cornell. Cornell. Cornell, um, that was in the same region of the bracket that Boston came from. So yeah, been lost two to one to Boston. You, um, okay. Here's another thing too. I mean, the last so the last team from Michigan to win a national championship for hockey was Michigan State, 2007. So last Ooh. time Michigan won was 1998. Ooh, 1996 they won, but uh, Michigan State's holding the throne right now there. So Michigan. You know, they got something to prove as well. And then here's the team that's, you know, just in it now and, and maybe the Cinderella a little bit. I mean, Quinnipiac, they've not not been around the last few years. Like, they're, they're a team that's in hockey been relevant. Well, uh, and they're the two seed for this tournament, they too. Are, they are. They're, they're a great hockey school. And, and so I think, you know, they want to get theirs, right? I mean, they, they, they want to win, um, you know, their first championship. So I think... There's a lot of exciting storylines, I think, in this Frozen Four as well. And, um, you know, college hockey sometimes gets lost. Obviously, it's not something that we see in, in big media a lot of the time, but it's it's something that, um, you know, for all you hockey fans, college, high school, little third graders are just getting on the ice. <laughs> you know, tune in this weekend if you uh, if you have some time and, and have fun watching some games. So they're on Thursday at 5 Eastern. Um, at 8.30 Eastern, and then the national championship is on uh, Saturday, April 8th at 8 o'clock. NBA is winding down too, Steph. Like, this is the last week, yeah, right? I think, I think there's, like, four teams in the West that have, like, the same record right now. It's it's ridiculous. They're all in, they're all in the same number of losses right now or something like that. And It's, like, what, 6 through 10? Yeah. Literally and, all and the, the playing spots. the reason why part of that's happening is the Timberwolves were projected winners against Portland by 19.5 points. And they ended up losing, making it the largest NBA upset in 30 years. Uh, not the way that you want to be finishing the season if you're a T Wolves fan. Is it yeah, tough? but I mean, they I beat mean, the they beat the Nets the night after, or something like that, or like the next game, or something. But still, yeah, you can't have those losses in a playoff push. I mean, Donovan like, Mitchell at the end of the season, like yeah, come on. I honestly, I'm not. A, I, I'm gonna say it. I'm not a big cat fan. Right. I'm not gonna argue. <laughs> I hear that a lot in Minnesota. <laughs> I too, which is a, a lot, lot of a lot of minute like it's he's so he's such a polarizing figure within Minnesota sports because when he's on like he's great, but then you get games where it's like he it's like what are you doing like what is what are you doing his decision making his is decision not, making is not, there. is not there um or he's he's injured half the season like this year he was injured half the season and they had listed it as a strain and don't get me wrong and like strains like. If you don't rehab it right, it can be significant and will cost you significant time. But at the same time, he was out for four months. Yeah, that's that is crazy. So, I I think the Timberwolves are better with him in the lineup. But I think the Gobert and Towns experiment is going to be interesting once we can see like what it looks like with a full healthy cat. <laughs> So a, a little bit of insight on like that whole gold bear thing, right? Um, one of my buddies 
actually had a friend ha- has a friend that played on the Timberwolves. Um, not gonna go saying names, but like when that whole trade happened and you know the Timberwolves got Gobert, yeah, it's just like the locker room just like was like what the hell, yeah, like like what is going on? Like we we don't need Gobert right now. We need someone else. Yeah, right. Because in all honesty, the the Timberwolves did do not need Rudy Gobert. Uh, he he has not performed. Who do you think is a is a player that the Timberwolves need? Well, and like if you could coin somebody that's not somebody that's too expensive. And I'll I'll say this too. I think they should have kept the core of like Pat Bev. I I hated the fact that they got rid of Vanderbilt. I I love Jared Vanderbilt for his size and his rebounding. I think he was they, very the, the, the Timberwolves had a good thing yeah. Going they had last a good year, thing going into this year. And then they had to make a whole bunch of trades. Because Jaden McDaniels is the best one-on-one defender right now in the league. So, like, yeah. So, like, the defense was coming along. It just took time. And I think they were trying to push the win now. But I don't think they did it right. Like, to put in an example, like, the Bucks were in win now. They went and got a point guard because that was the biggest area of need. I don't think you needed another bigger long side cat. I think they needed shooting, that's, to be completely that, that, that honest. That's exactly what they needed. Um Obviously, their three-point shooting isn't the best in the league. You have Anthony Edwards coming out, and he's, you know, but he's also shooting a bunch of shots. Yeah. Right? He can't be the only one on the team that's scoring. No. Right? Like, the, we need scoring. That's what the Timberwolves need. It, you go, go bear, yeah, he's going to get rebounds. He's going to get a few blocks here and there. But we're, we're talking about buckets. We need buckets right yeah. now. And Could Cat ever be more of an, uh, a Dirk? Could he ever play more like a Dirk? I don't know that it suits his play style. Good, good enough to to be shooting the way Dirk. I mean, he know, is where, the best. He is in the lane as okay, much. Okay, I'm gonna say this: if Cat had better decision making, Cat could be one of the best players in the league. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue and, with and, that. And, and that's why I that's why I have the biggest like hate relationship with Cat is because I know how good Cat can be. Mm-hmm. It's just the decision making isn't there for him to to uh excel his potential right like it, it's, it's just tough to just see this uh, you know year in and year out like he'll have a good game he'll go off for like 40 points right but what is he doing the next game what is he going to do yeah. the next game after that i feel like he he's very inconsistent with how he plays and how he performs because you'll get games where it's like he is out on the three-point arc and he's just knocking down shots he's shooting the lights out you know, and then you get games who where he's just in the paint, but it's never like it's never always a full mix. You always get one or the other, or like he's really good on defense and his rebounding. Right. You know, it's it's never a consistent performance of you're gonna get everything. He's also a little soft. I'll say he's a little soft, especially in the paint. Like going up against guys that are the same size, you know, as him, or even some guys that are a little bit smaller. But like still, like. You're that big. Calling you out, Cat. Like, we need you to be that guy to like, bring something here. Be, be to, him. To Minnesota. Like, be mm-hmm. him. Like, Kevin Garnett, you know, obviously hometown favorite. Man, I miss that guy. <laughs> right. Kevin Those Garnett. Those the days. Right? <laughs> That's right. why I'm sitting here with the Celtics jersey on right now. <laughs> Larry Bird Celtics jersey. Larry Bird Celtics jersey, but yeah. But, yeah, Kevin Garnett was dominant. Yeah. He has an MVP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, absolutely. I mean, you know somebody that's been consistent this year? I mean, shout out for Donovan Mitchell, first player in Cavs history to go 12 games with 40 points. Fun fact about he did Donovan that, and LeBron Mitchell. hasn't done that. Fun fact about Donovan Mitchell: 
ever since he's entered the league, he has not missed the playoffs. That is true. Yeah, he's he's having an incredible year this year with the and, Cavs. And an incredible start to a career, too. I think um, one of the things I'm going to be watching with the NBA is just the MVP race. It's it's a three-horse race at this point with Giannis, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Who are your picks? Who, who do you pick to win MVP this year? How do you pick out of those three? I I, 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 pick. I See, I can make... I mean, look at the score from the last time the bu- the Bucks just played this. <laughs> yeah, Sixers, I'm taking Giannis every time. Look, Giannis. I'm y- taking yes, Giannis. Giannis is is my pick. Um, his stats are all around better than <laughs> everyone else's. And stats. that's what I want to say too. But you also look at like I feel like they've all missed games. I think Nikola has played the most out of anybody, and I think that's why they're starting to add restrictions now. Like you have to play a minimum 60, of sixty five. Is it sixty five? Sixty five. That way, it's over seventy five percent. What happens if you don't? Do you you, know, you like, you're not eligible you know? yeah, for yeah, those yeah, rewards. It's like the same thing with baseball where to be um, included for, like, the batting title. Yep. You have to have, like, over one at-bat per game played or whatever, or one at-bat per nine innings or whatever, you know. So I think it's going to be interesting. I personally would want to pick Giannis, but at the same time, I think Embiid is – Embiid's been on the forefront for the past three years. He ducked out out against the Nuggets, though. Embiid? Yeah, he ducked out. He didn't play. Scheduled rest, man. Hey, we <laughs> was that his decision too. Yeah, it was. It, it, sure yeah, I think decision. it was yeah. his decision, and I think, I think with Jokic, it's too many players are doing this stuff. I mean, back in the day when Bird played, let's be serious. Screw load management. <laughs> and I think that's what some players are speaking out about now. Is like, look, some of these people. This is the only time that they're gonna get to see you, and they're coming to see you play, and you're resting, and. I don't want to knock on players because obviously 82 games playing as hard as you can typically like that's a lot to manage. But at the same time, I think like you're getting paid, you're getting paid to play 82 games. Yeah. Otherwise, you should just get a percentage of that. Like whatever, like if 65 of 82 games is 25 mil a year. (laughs) I am playing every single Mm. game. Yeah. Even if I'm on one foot. Yeah. And I, and I think players do have some points of like you know it is a long season I do need to take care of my body but at the same time it's like you're not traveling slash playing every day though in, in, you in know that, in that case fewer games pay players less right if that's fewer. if that's what the players want fewer games pay the players less. if the minimum is going to be sixty five then make the season sixty five and that yeah, and, increases and, the intensity of games and too contracts will be I think cheaper. they're in I think I, I heard something about them being in talks of like dropping it down to like seventy two games. Yeah and that that is something they're talking about. I think the owners are scared though because they're gonna lose money. They'll lose a lot of money. Yeah I, I mean that's that's what five home and five away games or something like that. So like really you're Do losing you five home ever, games but do you think they'd ever split the season up a little bit and like do one half like uh, Premier League right? They do first half of the season, they have winter break, and they come back and do they do second half of the season, right? Yeah, they, do you they, think they, they were do talking something like about that for the NBA season tournament. They, they wanted to do a mid-season tournament, but I feel like I, I don't know if that would work in the NBA. Like it's it's very different, right? I mean, this is yeah. this is an out there statement, but it's yeah. just you know, would they think about that? We you know we're gonna talk a lot more about the NBA next week. We got a lot of stuff going on there. Um, for next week, but yeah, let's just do our last call right now. What you what, what wasn't talked about tonight that you guys just want to maybe touch on real quick? Um, any shout outs or anything like that too? Um, 
I mean, I, I'm going to shout out to the HBCU All-Star Game that took place this last week. And really quick, this is the best of Division One, Division Two historical black college universities um, that took action in a second annual HBCU All-Star Game, finishing with a final score of 113.99. Um, the event was on CBS. Um, it, pretty awesome event. Fans were going crazy there. Lots of fun stuff. Um, but a really cool event that uh, I think – getting some cool exposure here with uh, second year going on CBS. So something pretty fun. Um, I'm going to shout out uh, Formula One, uh, the Australian Grand Prix, uh, three red flags, and two and a half hours later, they finally finished the race and what was just absolute chaos. Um, you know, they say in NASCAR, cautions breed cautions. Well, red flags breed chaos in F1. Um Max Verstappen winning, Lewis Hamilton uh, second, and Fernando Alonso third. 11 world championships on that podium. would like to just say Alonso with two, Verstappen with two, and Hamilton with seven. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a chaotic day and a really intense race in Australia. Uh, fans were treated to an all-day event, and there was just a lot of, a lot of good uh, action moments and stuff like that. So a lot of cars out of order, too, so there was a lot of passing up and down the grid and uh, Mercedes could be back, but they're also saying that Red Bull might have turned down their power unit. So we'll see. Wow. Yeah, Mercedes being dethroned here. That'd be. I mean, they were dethroned last year I and kind of uh, dethroned not two humbly. Two years in a row, right? Yeah. Is this like Alabama taking a second seat to Georgia? I, th- I think it's just Georgia just taking it from them. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. Um, I like to give a shout out to the NFL just because the NFL draft is coming up later this month. <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, the crazy thing about the NFL is now there's a lot of talk after like NFL pro days and the draft uh, or in the draft combine of like, who's going to go number one. Right, dude, that's real. So they, they, they um, they've been talking about, um, was it Hendon hooker? Yep. Yeah. Tennessee. Yep. Being a potential number one pick. Um, you obviously got obvious yeah. it, it's CJ Stroud, it, it, Bryce Young, yes, yes, like the Bryce usuals. Young. Yes, yes, you got them up there. Mm. Um, but with the Hendon Hook, Hook, the Hendon Hooker situation is like obviously he had an ACL tear. Yeah, you know, at the end of last year. So how is he going to hold up? Mm-hmm. And when will he be ready? Yeah, right. That's the big question um, that a lot of teams are probably going to be looking at. Um, but then you got uh, was it uh. Bill Levis from Kentucky. Yeah, Will, Will Levis. Bill, Will Kentucky. Levis. And then so, Anthony so Richardson, he too. he did gain a lot of weight. He, he gained a lot of Levis? weight. Levis? Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of... Like I'm surprised he hasn't jacked. been drug tested yet. No, he, he's <clears> I say jacked. that jokingly, but... <laughs> There, there were jokes on Twitter too floating this around of like NFL. this is Nobody's this is so and so from the NFL drugs that you know like they you get those automated messages or whatever. But so no, yeah, he's he's looking he's looking jacked. Um, he's also a projected like top three pick. Yeah, you know which is going to be crazy. Like if they do choose him, he could fall back. Obviously, a lot of quarterbacks can still fall back. Um, and then obviously that's when a, you know some of the NFL teams are just going to be like, oh yeah, I will I'm say take him. Will Levis. As a very similar and identical quick release of the football to a certain Green Bay Packers quarterback that could oh, be on the move to again. New York. You have to get the Green Bay Packers a plug every week. Hey, I did. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey uh, um, I did see something on like ESPN today when I was watching. Is Hendon uh, Hooker the Vikings would be interesting because they try they took a flyer on Kellen Mond and it did not did not pan out. 
but but it's, have if you actually watch like Kendrick Hooker play, like he he's play, actually, he's, he's so yes. good. He's yes, a, he, he has a high IQ. His accuracy is there. It's just can stay healthy, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be it's going to be how that knee heals. Yeah, because he, if he can, yes, right. But if it's something that it's like, man, it's like reoccurring. Like we, you got to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Are Vikings fans out on Cousins? I mean, I think the thing about Cousins is it's like it's not a Vikings. It's a, it's fans a, it's a limbo not, for, not for, a of, for a lot of for a lot of fans. Cousins. It's a limbo because you're you're saying like we got a shot with him, and you really like, and we do. We do. We have a shot with him, but this is all I'm going to say about Cousins. Worst quarterbacks have won the Super Bowl. This is this is what I'm going to say about. <laughs> relax. This is what I'm going to say about Cousins. Is that Cousins is a good quarterback. He's a good, good person. Key, he gets word. the job done. He's a, he's a good quarterback. He does get the job done. He's just had not horrible a, offensive not lines. Not in big games. He does not get the job done in big games. He's right. had bad offensive I, lines, and in in big games, your offensive lines are going to be more exposed to it's. It that's a t- touchy subject, man. I don't want to hear it, man. Pat Mahomes had a bad. Pat Mahomes line running around is different than. <laughs> Pat, yeah, Kirk Pat Mahomes. Can we, are we comparing? We're not comparing. We're, no, hey, no, we can't. Can we can't. I'm just saying, O line. I'm comparing. That might be O-line. a podcast in and of itself. Is <laughs> Kirk Cousins versus Pat Mahomes? Who's better? I don't know. In singing, Kirk Cousins. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you think he's going to be the next feature on a American Idol, Mass Singer? Well, Mass Singer. <laughs> I was just thinking like a Kelly Clarkson album. I mean, he's, he does their stuff like with music. That's yeah, true. He's, he's, he's saying some stuff. Um, well, hey, guys, we've been on here for a while. Seth's got a heck of a drive tomorrow. We all got a fun Easter weekend plan. Um, lots of sports to watch. Go throw some PDA out there for your fan, your uh, athletes, your teams, your sports. Um, have a great weekend. Have fun. Cheer loud. Cheer proud. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.